Howdy-do, I'm James Baquet, also known as the Temple Guy. On my first evening on Putuoshan, the island dedicated to Guanin, or Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, I strolled around the lotus pond in front of Puji Temple. At lunch the next day, I was in that temple's parking lot to take a shuttle bus north to visit Huiji Temple. Well, today's the day. On the morning of my last full day on the island, I finally entered the gates of Puji, as we'll see in this episode of... I once again took the lovely seaside amble from my hotel along the beach and the boardwalk, a little over a half mile, to Puji Temple, the Temple of Universal Aid. Once again, I gazed in wonder at the Duobao or Many Treasure Pagoda, Putoshan's oldest structure, built between 1333 and 1335 during the Yuan Dynasty. I've read that behind the surrounding wall, where I couldn't see, there's a stone pedestal surrounded by balustrades. The platform, like the pagoda, is covered with carvings of Buddhas, as well as bodhisattvas and, I'm told, our old friends, the 18 Arhats. See episodes 057 and 058. I also dawdled a bit, again, at the large pond directly in front of the temple's gates, called the Hain or Sea Image Pond. In addition to hosting lotuses, it's sometimes used for the free life ceremony in which fish and turtles are released as an act of compassion, most suitable on an island dedicated to Guanin. The pond is crossed by three bridges. In the past, the western one was for commoners, the eastern for nobility, and the central one reserved for the emperor, leading directly to the main gate of the temple. Today a pavilion adorns the center of this bridge, and a fine steely pavilion stands at its far end, opposite the gate. A legend says that the Buddhist booster emperor Qianlong was once staying in the temple. Coming in late from a day of touring, he discreetly knocked at the gate and was refused. The young monk in charge said, I'd only open for you if you were the emperor. So Qianlong decreed that thereafter, only emperors, not even monks, could use the center gate. So today, visitors have to detour to the east to enter. Had I been the offended emperor, I might have ruled that only peasants could enter there. I did indeed enter by the side gate, as do all visitors. With China being fresh out of emperors, the central gate seems heavily unused. The doors from the courtyard side weren't even open. But one page I read said that today, the gate is only opened for heads of state, the consecration of a new statue, or the elevation of a new abbot. But before entering, I strolled around the square outside the temple and visited a wonderful museum and visitor center which featured diagrams of the island's three main temples, Huiji, which I had visited yesterday, Puji, and Fayu, which I peeked in at yesterday and to which I would pay a more leisurely visit this afternoon. There were also illustrations of some great Chan masters, all presumably associated with Putuoshan, and to my surprise and delight, a, quote, mug used by Master Xingyun from Taiwan Foguangshan when he attending, sick, the third cultural festival of Guanin in October of 2005, end quote, along with a picture of the master. I had attended the university and worked in the temple founded by Master Xingyun outside of L.A. After moving to China, I also worked for a year in another temple in his hometown of Yangzhou, in an academy attached to what would become the largest Buddhist library in mainland China, built by the Master's organization. So seeing this simple mug was like a touch of homecoming. You may remember that in episode 056, I explained something of the complex history of this temple. There I wrote that the unwilling to leave Guanin, a statue that seemed reluctant to leave the island, was housed in a temple named for that foot-dragging trait, the Bukenchu Temple. Then I wrote, 
That original site, Mr. Zhang's former home, developed into the massive Puji Temple, one of the three I was to see on this trip, and the central temple on the island. Mr. Zhang's Bukanju Guanyin Temple was renamed Baotuo Guanyin Temple in 1080. When the entire island was evacuated to the nearby mainland city of Ningbo in 1387 and its temples destroyed to thwart the depredations of Japanese pirates, the statue was moved for safekeeping to a temple in that city. In fact, today that place is Chita Temple, which I also visited on this trip. The statue may have come back to Baotuo when the temple was rebuilt in 1572, after a nearly two-century hiatus in religious activities on the island. And the temple was renamed Puji in 1699, after a visit by that big-time Buddhist fan, the Qing Emperor Kangxi. It has been rebuilt and expanded numerous times since. Whether the original statue survives, I've been unable to determine, but sincerely doubt. End of quote from that episode. In 1980, the current Bukanchu Temple was built on a different site near the Tidal Sound Cave, where the original statue was originally housed. Sometimes, when I find myself tossing and turning at night, I walk in my mind through some of the temples I've visited, recalling as many details as possible until I fall into blissful sleep. I must confess, in these late-night rambles, I sometimes confuse Puji with Lingin Temple, which I had visited three days before, and about 140 miles away as the crow flies, though more like 165 by road and ferry. Although regional temples sometimes have similar attributes, this is more a feeling than anything tangible. I entered the temple, like any good commoner, by a side gate, and noticed that the two temples seemed about the same size and with around the same number of visitors, that is, they were about equally crowded, more or less. Like Lingin, Puji was built on the same system of central axis with two side axes, which I was to learn was quite common. See episode 002 for details on temple layouts. This one had a total of nine main halls in addition to many, many others. But of course, there were delightful differences. One was that the main hall was not a Dashiong Baodian, or Precious Hall of the Great Hero, with Shakyamuni, the historic Buddha, on the altar, but rather a Da Yuan Tong Dian, or Great Compassion Hall, featuring Guanin on the altar. Incidentally, Yuan Tong actually means something more like flexible or accommodating these days. The statue on the main altar is a Vairochana Guanin. I'm not sure what this means. Vairochana is the great sun Buddha, my favorite, but I've never heard of a Guanin by this name. More research. Anyway, in wooden cases around the sides of the hall are 32 more statues of Guanin, making a total of 33, Guanin's number, representing 8 in each of the four directions, plus 1 in the center. 4 times 8 plus 1 equals 32. But where were the 18 arhats? I discovered that exquisite figures of these by-now-old friends had been seated, not in the main hall around the sides, but split 9 and 9 in their own halls on either side of the courtyard. I don't know what process was used to create them, it looks like some kind of enamel or inlay on bronze figures, but it's rare, probably very expensive, and incredibly beautiful. The figures of the Bodhisattvas Pushien, that's Samantabhadra, and Wanshu, Manjushri, often found flanking the Buddha in the main hall, had also been moved into their own small halls, not in the side axes, but in freestanding halls of their own, in line with, but independent of, the main hall. Slightly further back, on either side of the building that contained both a dharma or lecture hall downstairs and a sutra library upstairs, is a dizang or kshitigarbha hall, and a puman or universal gate hall. This was named for a sutra, actually a chapter abstracted from the famed Lotus Sutra, dedicated to Guanin. The hall houses one main image of the 40-armed Guanin and 88 smaller representations of various forms of that seemingly ubiquitous bodhisattva. 
This means that each of the four great bodhisattvas, see episode 046, had his own freestanding hall at Puji Temple. After a quick lunch in the pricey veg restaurant outside the gates, I wandered westward to the entrance to the Western Paradise, a hilly area of footpaths and inscribed stones. Alas, I had other places to see, so I only went as far as the front gate of the area before heading back to the parking lot and the shuttle to Fayu Temple for a visit more thorough than my quick dash through yesterday. Until next time, then, may you and your loved ones and all sentient beings be well and happy. Adios, amigos. Would you please check out the newsletter, the show notes for this episode, number 078, at templetales.substack.com. It has pictures and links to the other episodes mentioned, and at that address, you'll also find the archive with all of the newsletters. It ought to make your day. In the next episode, let's visit what might be the most remotest temple on the Saigoku route, Sefukuji on a mountain in Izumi City of Osaka Prefecture.